Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikha. We are learning on Yod Gimel Ida Adar. It is right before Purim, Tainus Esther, Harsha Sitzava, and Mitzvah. Thank you so much for making time on such a crazy day for, the, for us to all be able to learn and go into Purim extra rejuvenated. So let's go. Oh, we have to give some Sadaka. Hold on. I'm holding my baby outside, so I will say it now and then go give it in a minute. Um, but we're going to give some Sadaka, have a Sheikh in mind. And uh, let's bring the Shiach. Let's do it. Amen. Thank you, Wessie. So this, I love this one. This is for my, uh, my top phase. I hope everybody else is going to enjoy it as well. And um, the message is so pertinent. And I think it's just going to give us that real highest, especially here in America. We're coming down around to a year of COVID. And uh, more than ever, we need to remember who's running the show. So in the Medrash, it tells us that when Haman had sealed his decree and everything had been handed over to him, the Yidin had been handed over into the hands of Haman. So Haman and all of his cronies are on their way home, really excited. And who do they bump into? They bump into Mardachai. And the Medrash tells us that right at that time, I'm going to read now inside the um, actual Sicha. Right at that time, Mardachai meets these three children who are on their way home from school. And he's having a conversation with them. And Haman is listening in on the conversation. So we're going to read what happened. So he said to the child, he reached the first child, and he said to him, quote for me your pasuk, or pasuk, I'm not sure how you say it. Quote for me your pasuk, what did you learn today? And the child answered, Do not fear a sudden fear and the destruction of evil people when it comes. Then, I learned today, and the Pasuk that I concluded with, or that I came away with from Beis HaSefer from school, was, They may put together a plot, and it comes apart. They may come up with all kinds of conversations, and it doesn't happen because the Eifester is with us. And then finally, Pasach Hashlishi, the third child initiated by Amr, he said, That the Abishter, even as I grow old, the Abishter is there with me. The Abishter is the one who made us and therefore carries us and saves us through all kinds of situations. Then the Medrash goes on to tell us that when Mardachai heard these Pesachim, he was so happy. And Haman said to him, why are you so happy about what these children said to you? And the Mardachai answered, that the, I received very good news from these children. I don't have to be scared of your Eitzara, that you've plotted against us. And then immediately, Haman's response was that he became very angry. He said, the first ones I'm going to target are going to be these children. Okay, very famous medrash, and it's the medrash that always gives us a, a chayis and an oomph um, of, of bitachayin, and we have an avish there, and the avish is going to take care of us, and today we're going to kach a little bit more into the ideas of this medrash. So Barabbas first question is, what was it that made Mordechai say, oh, this is so special? Was it uh, a nevuah that he received? In other words, by hearing the message from these children, was he being told like a nevuah from the avish term? So that's how we initially learn the story. 
that it was such a shkachapratis that this was, these were the words that were being told to him that he took it as a message from Hashem that the Abish are saying everything is going to be okay. But the Rebbe is not satisfied um, with that answer, and I'll explain in a second why. And also the Rebbe goes into the, <clears throat> the details of the, of like the actual story, like why do we have to have all of these details? First of all, why does there have to be three children? Each pasuk says, each child says a different pasuk. The first child, you know, Mardachai asks him, the second child volunteers and says, I learn in school and this is where I, you know, this is where I concluded today. Um, why is this pasuk the first one, the second pasuk, the second one, the third pasuk, the third one it seems to be out of order. The first pasuk comes from Mishle, which comes after Yeshaya, which is the source of the second two pasukim. So every little detail over here has to be teaching us something. Why, is this, why do we have three? Why is this the order of the psukim? Why do the children introduce their psukim a little bit differently, one from the other? Each one of these details has to be teaching us something. But in general, we have to understand, if Mardachai viewed this as a nevuah, why did he then go on as his next step to then go on and put on sakfeifer and you know, start this whole initiation process of mourning and inspiring all the yidin to mourn? He already had a nevuah that everything is going to be okay. He should have gone out and made like a big sort of so why does he instead go out into this whole process of, you know, mourning and tshuva, et cetera, et cetera? So obviously that tells us that it wasn't a nevuah. There must have been something else. And if it wasn't a nevuah, then on the other end of it, then why did he rejoice? So to appreciate all of this, let's take a look at the words that Mordechai uses when he describes the Haman, the experience that he just had. He doesn't say, I'm rejoicing over the nevuah that was just prophesied to me. He said, I'm rejoicing over the good news that was just told to me. That's what I'm rejoicing over. Because really what was happening over here is that Mordechai knew all the behind-the-scenes reasons of what was happening in this story with Haman and the Jewish people. Here we have such a crazy thing happening that the, the nation of the Abishtar is under the control of this evil Russia and that he has the ability to completely wipe them out with this Xera. How could that have happened? How could that be? And so Mardachai understood that there was something going on underneath it all. And he knew very well, and this is told us in the Medrash as well, that the reason how the Eden ended up in the hands of Haman is because they had bowed to Avedazara in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. And even at that time when they were bowing, according to many of the Mepharshim, there wasn't even like a sincere acceptance of Avedazara. They were just putting up a front in order not to be hurt by Nebuchadnezzar. But even that, the fact that the Yidin didn't stand up with full Messias Nefesh, like the Altar describes in Tanya, that the Kal Shabbat if he's in tune with his true self, if he's in tune with his true identity, which is connection to the Abishtar, no matter what the circumstance might be, is going to stand up and have Messias Nefesh and would never bow down to Avayi Zara. So the fact that the Yidin, even on a very superficial level, you know, showed themselves as if they were bowing to Avayi Zara, that showed that they were not in tune with their connection with Hashem, their innate connection that every single Yid has with the Abishtar. And because they had lost that awareness of their connection to the Abishtar, that's what made them vulnerable. That's what made them, you know, able to be targeted by this Gezerah of Haman that could possibly wipe out the Abishtar's nation. So what does Mardachai need to see? Mardachai needs to see, are the Yidin capable of being in tune with their relationship with the Abishtar? Are they capable of being aware of the fact that they have that innate relationship with Hashem? that will empower them to deny Avaydazara and to always be in tune with their relationship with the Apishtar. And this is the good news that he gets from these children. What's the message that he's hearing from these kids? He's hearing from them about their bitachin and their amuna that they have in Hashem. 
and by hearing that this is what children are walking around saying and this is what children are learning in school, not only are they learning it in school, but they're bringing it home from school. And this is what they're quoting. This is their takeaway. They walked out of school, and what was their takeaway? What were they inspired to repeat from what they had learned in school? All three of them expressed a message of belief and connection to the Avishtar. And when Mardukai hears this and he says, ah, we have children, and these children are expressing the Samuna and the Avishtar, and they're bringing that message home to their families, then Mardukai said, Baruch Hashem, this is good news. It means the Yidzana are in a position where they're going to be open to being in tune with their relationship with the Avishtar. Let me go jumpstart that. And what's the next thing he does? He starts a whole tshuva campaign, putting on sock the Avishtar, inspiring the Yidzana to do tshuva, because he sees from the children that the Yidzana are, you know, are open and are going to be um, very much um, in tune with their relationship with the Avishtar. So that was the Basura Taiva that Mardachai heard from these children. Not necessarily a nevua, but more that the Yidin are in a place where they're open to hearing, they're open to being in tune with their innate connection to Hashem. And once they have that in their lives, once Yidin are, are fully in tune with the fact that the Avishtar and only the Avishtar fear the Velt, then Haman has no power over them. The Gzera is worth nothing. And um, Haman understood this very well. He knew, you know, very clear that as long as Yidin are not in tune with their relationship with Hashem, that's what gives him power. And when he saw that the children are the source of that inspiration, they're the ones who are going to bring this message home to their parents, to their families, and inspire the Jewish people to be aware of their Amunah and the Epishter, he said, oh, these are the first kids that I have to target. These are the kids that prevent someone like Mardachai and this Am Mardachai from bowing down to me and being subservient to me. And that's why he became so angry, because he knew that this was like the source of the strength that prevented the Yidin from bowing to someone like him. <clears throat> so that's going to be our initial answer. But now we're going to take it a little bit deeper, and we're going to try to appreciate the three different sukkim, the three different levels of amuna that are being expressed here by these three children, and how each of them are teaching us, like, a, like, a, like building layers and layers of amuna that we find, especially in our children, and then our children bring it home into every single Jewish home. So let's go through them step by step. We're going to start first with the first child. The first child is our, our youngest child, or our simplest child, and Mardachai has to initiate with him, and he has to say to him, tell me a pasuk that you learned, quote from me a pasuk that you learned. In other words, it's not necessarily that the child walks away with a deep understanding, or with a whole complicated chakravatarya going on in his learning. It was a very, very basic message that the child picked up in school. So we're talking about the most simple level of amuna. What does a child express? A very simple expression of amuna. Altira, don't be afraid. That is the, the first level of bitachain, the first level of amuna that we want to instill in children. Just that sense that the Abishter takes care of everything. We don't have to be afraid. And we're not talking about something in the far-off future. The child, Rahman al-Lutfan, is seeing an issue right there in front of their eyes. If there's a pachat pisayim, there's, you know, mishayas vishayim, right there happening right now. Kisava, it's coming, it's here. And the child still knows altira, you don't have to be afraid. There's no big explanations that come along with it. There's no big discussions that come along with it. It's like the balsamtav in the forest. I don't have to be afraid. That very simple amuna that a Jewish child has when he kisses the mezuzah and he says shema at night, and he knows that the Abishter is running his world, and he doesn't have to be afraid. Okay. Then we have our second level of Amuna. The second level of Amuna is a child who's a little more sophisticated. And that's why the second child introduced his Pasuk by saying to Mardachai, I learned in school today. In other words, he's already an independent learner. He's already on his own 
learning Tyra. And in his own delving of Tyra, he came to this pasuk, and this became like his conclusion that he came away with. So we're talking about a child that already has a level of seichel, a level of understanding. And what is different for this child? This child already has the ability to look towards the future. In other words, he sees an issue, not that's happening necessarily right now, but an utsu eitzah. Someone is plotting a plot. It's, it's not, you know, Rahman uh, uh, tragedy or an issue that's happening right now in my life. There's chas this fear of what could happen in the future, what's being plotted for the future. And so here we're teaching a deeper level of Amunah. This is going to be the level of trachgut, that I can assume that in the future things are going to go well. Instead of facing my future with fear, I can face my future with certainty that the sufar, that this plot is going to fall apart and that there's going to be a v'nahapachum and it's going to get turned around. So that's already something that's like, I guess, a higher level of bitachin that a child can be taught after he's a little more understanding. When he understands, he's not just aware of like what's happening presently right now in his life, but he understands about things coming up in the future, and he understands that there could be things that people could be fearful that are coming up in the future. And so the message to that child is, you could assume that the sufar, that the evil plans are going to fall apart. And we don't just leave it at that. We give the child explanation. We discuss it with him. Why? The pasta continues because the Abishar is with us. So the second child is already like a little more sophisticated in his amuna, and there's like a higher expectation of the type of amuna that he's able to have. That he can, you know, have that trachtud about the future, about events that could be coming up, and he can have the level of talking to know that it's going to be turned around and that all of those things that are looming negatively in the future are going to fall apart to Ki'imanukel because the Abishar is there with us. Finally, we have our third child. What is the third child coming to say to us? Va'adzikna anihu. So this is an even higher level of amunam bitachim. Until this point, we've been talking about scary, crazy things that go on. Um, you know, like in this case, a, a terrible enemy that's coming upon the Yidim, or something that's abnormal, and a big fear that's coming upon the Yidim. But what about just the natural day-in, day-out cycles of life? And, you know, as people say, this is how life goes. Like the Pasuk is talking about, zikna and seva. People get old, and when people get old, they naturally get weak, and they naturally become infirm, and they're less, you know, able to be healthy and to be strong. So in the natural world, there are many natural cycles that a person can look at and say, this is the way that it's going to be. But an even higher level of bitachan that an even, you know, older child is able to come to appreciate is that there is no such thing as the natural cycles controlling a Jewish person. There's only one being that runs the show for Yidin, and that's the Ani Asisi, Rani Esa. It's not old age that causes these things to happen, and it's not the natural cycle of the world that causes certain things to happen. It's not like this is how it goes in the way of the world. Only Ani Asisi, only the Abishter Firtavelt. He is the only one who's creating things, and therefore he carries us through all of those situations. And that's something that we have to, you know, work on, that when it comes to bitachin, our bitachin doesn't just extend to, you know, chas if something crazy is going on. The bitachin is for every single day, day in, day out, all the normal things that we face in life, including aging, which is, you know, a very normal, natural thing that we assume is going to happen. No, you don't have to make any assumptions. The Abishar shirt developed, and the Abishar could give you full kaychais, and niyasisi, the Abishar is the one who creates you, he puts you into the situation, and he's going to carry you through every single situation that he puts you through. So these are our three levels of bitachin that we're learning here from our Jewish children. 
And we see that um, when we invest in the bitachon of, of the kids, this is the message that comes home to the Jewish homes, and it inspires all of the yidin, the adults, everybody else, to also come in tune with their relationship with Hashem. The Rebbe goes on to say that we see a correlation between <coughs> Matan Torah and Purim. Um, there's a very famous Pasuk, and so this comes on this idea that by Matan Torah, the Yidin initially accepted the Ebeshter with a Nasa Vanishma, but it didn't necessarily, it was like a statement, but it didn't necessarily like get carried through on a practical level. But then when it came to the story of Purim, that's where you really see that they pulled through. When every single Yid stood up with Mr. Nefesh and refused to deny their Jewish identity and said, I am a Yid no matter what. That's where we saw like the real Matantara take place, where on a practical level, every Yid fully, wholeheartedly accepted his relationship with the Abishar, I am a Yid and I accept the Abishar's Tyra. So that means that Matantara was sort of theoretical, and Purim is where you actually see it practically happening. So now we're going to take that with all the details of the story of Matantara, and we're going to see how Purim takes those details and makes them practical. One of the details that we know about the story of Matantara is that Matantara would not occur unless there were guarantors, right? Our children have to be our guarantors. By Matantara, it was a theoretical statement. The Avais, <coughs> you know, the, the parents stepped forward and said, our children will be our guarantors. Okay, but do we see that the children are the guarantors? Did it come through practically? Practically, we see it here by the story of Purim. And that's what Mordechai was hopping on. When he was able to see, ah, Baneinu or even Badenu is happening. It's happening in a real way. Look at these Jewish children. They are confidently expressing their connection to Hashem. And this went on with the 22,000 children that Mordechai had taught to gather and learn with them and daven with them and, and um, you know, use them as the Baneinu or even Badenu in the most practical sense of the word. So here we see that it wasn't just a theory. Yes, children will be guarantors. It was an actual practical fulfillment of that idea that the children actually were the guarantors. So what's the takeaway that we learn from all of this? I think it's pretty obvious, but let's just see it in the Rebbe's words. <clears throat> um, page 213 in the Sicha, From all of this, we have the message for all of us for all generations, and especially in our generation. Especially we who are living literally by the footsteps of Mashiach. But we're still in the control of Gaulus. We're still living in a Gaulus world. We want to be able to evaluate what's happening with Jewish people. What's going to be the future of the Jewish people? We have to see what's happening with the kids. Not just what they're saying in school, but what are they bringing home from school? Meaning, in Clara Werter, from the time that the child is very, very young, he cannot understand you know, sophisticated ideas, just that first level child. Before you can understand something really intellectual and sophisticated, the first message we want to teach those children is there is nothing to fear. Only Hashem Himself. The famous story that the Baal Shem Tov's father, Rebbe Eliezer, told Baal Shem Tov when he was just a very small child of five years old. 
And he said to him, Fear nothing but, but Hashem. Zol farkenem und farken zach, if der Welt nit meide haben. Mer nit far only for Hashem himself. So this is something that we can teach children from a very, very, very young age. We have nothing to fear. Hashem is taking care of everything. And then, when they say that in Elter, when they get a little bit older and they are able to understand something, then then we start to teach them the second concept. The idea of Utsu Eitzah, like we described before, that you can look towards the future and you can see things that seem to be unfolding negatively, but you can have that amuna to know the sufar, that it's going to fall apart. And then finally, we can even teach a child the third idea. And the third idea is even the things that seem to be very natural in your life, like old age or there's so many other things in that category, parnasa, whatever it might be, all of this is really only being run by Hashem, only on the SEC. And if we want our children to come away with these concepts, and that should really be psukecha, this is my pasuk, my takeaway, I feel this way, it's not enough that the kids can chant the words and they can actually quote the psukim. They need to know the message behind it. They need to know the tarsh malpeh, the midrashim, the explanations behind it. And they need to know the chassidus behind it. We must, we must be teaching the children the chassidus behind the ideas of that they're learning in order to give them that real connection to, um, to these messages. And when our children are going to really be living with these messages and they're going to take them home from school, they're going to bring them home to their home. Just like in those days, so too will it happen today. Tyre will carry on and we have nothing to fear. There will be the tire learning of children that will silence our enemies. And then, the children will inspire the adults. Then, when the Abishar will send us the children will be instructed, go speak to your parents, speak to them lovingly, tell them about their relationship with Hashem, inspire them to come close to the Abishar. We connect the Gula of Purim to the Gula of Mashiach. So today is the day for any, for any of us who are involved with young children, especially those who are involved in the Chinuch of young children, going into Purim to remember that we rely so much on our children. We want to instill in them these messages of Amuna. And I think just by teaching our kids about it, like the Rebbe is describing over here, we're going to be teaching ourselves about it. So let's remember our three levels of bitachin. Number one, don't be afraid of anything that's happening right now in your world. There's nothing to fear. That's just the simple message. The Avishter is taking care of things. We do not have to be afraid. Message number two, look towards the future with confidence. And message number three, only Ania Sisi, only the Avishter is taking care of everything. Even the most natural events are all being run by Hashem. 
And with this kind of amuna, with this kind of bitachin, we can walk confidently to the gula mitas vashlema, the karev mamish. Amen. Wow. Thank you very much. Gives us a lot of a lot of food for thought right there. Big oomph. <laughs> Thank you.